Okay, I'm going to start today with the um, Bible passage. And I know it's not easy when you've got little kids, but Alison's at the door, so they're not going to escape. So what I'm going to recommend, if you can, is um, to shut your eyes and to try and picture yourself in this passage, to try and picture it as if you're in the room, as Jesus is there. We picked this passage before we knew the events of this week. It's titled, Jesus Comforts His Disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, so believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well, From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father." I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So coming back to this room now. I don't know about you, but many years ago when I first started driving, which is probably not quite 30, but a good few years ago, If we wanted to know the way to anywhere, we had to use these things. Anybody else confess to that? Kids of a young age might not even know what these are, so you can come and have a look if you want. It shows my kind of, my not very extensive travelling. It's basically Spain, France and a lot of England. Now, I'm going to keep this one because I don't know, did anyone ever have maps like these? Yeah? Yeah. Oh, weren't they a nightmare when you had to turn the page or where you were going was on the edge? And if you were going somewhere on your own, what a challenge, because you couldn't look ahead, could you, and look in the map at the same time. And they're always in minute print, aren't they? And did you always do that sort of thing where you had the road point, yeah? Okay, well, some of us don't use them now. But that's how... That's how. I mean, I don't know about you, but I also, it, they were the cause of a good few arguments in our car. Because someone, the person without the map would always think they still knew the best way, even though they didn't have a clue. I can even remember 
Um, in France, we had, we've got two bad navigational experiences, both of which happened to be in France. But David really didn't approve of things like this. It was too impossible. And I was driving, and one night when we were trying to get back to the place where we were staying in France on holiday, he just gave up, shut the book, and threw it on the floor. And I was like, well, where am I going? And he said, well, I don't know. I can't do it. And that was it. So, but fortunately, thank goodness... These have gone a bit out of date for nearly all of us, and we don't actually use them anymore. But what about... I don't know about you. Some of you have TomToms, SatNavs. We have a thing on our phone called Waze. Anybody use Waze? So you literally just type in the address of where you're going, and it should all come out OK. It gives you a few instructions, doesn't it? And it says, turn left, turn right, do this, do that. And if you follow it you get to where you want to be, don't you? So even it up between David and I, um, once I was driving in France on my own with the kids, um, and David was cycling to Paris as a charity ride. This is going a few years ago, but I was using this. And um, as you do, everything had gone OK, and we kind of got towards quite near the middle of Paris, which admittedly was a bit daft to be driving that near the middle of Paris. But um, as we were coming into it... I suddenly realised that everybody in France, it, was a bit, it suddenly became a big street and everyone was waving at us. Well, I thought they were waving at us. So I'm saying to the kids who were probably about, I don't know, they were probably about 10 and 7 at that age, I'm saying, oh, wave back, they're being really friendly. So the kids can't wave back and Oliver says, Mum, they're shaking their fists at us. And suddenly we realised we were driving right through the middle of a French market and there were stalls and they weren't waving as such at us. I'd driven us through the middle of a market, so that evens it up. So clearly neither David or I are very good at navigation. But I think, you know, we've just been, we've just been listening to that reading today, which is all about finding the right way, getting the right thing. Not for the first time, these poor disciples don't quite get it, do they? I mean, I have to admire the disciples because time and again in the Gospels we hear that they don't understand, they don't follow what Jesus is trying to tell them. And they need Jesus to explain it a bit more. It's a bit like a sat-nav saying, go here, go there. Jesus tells us in this passage that there's many, many rooms in the Father's house and he's making them ready for each and every one of us. That is a clear demonstration of how much God loves each one of us. It shows his abundant love, his endless care, his deep compassion for us at all times. Some of the rooms will be on this earth, and just as we know them, but some of those rooms will be in heaven. But in heaven, in those rooms, we'll live forever with God, and that's good news. I can't speak for anybody else this week, but I have felt very like Thomas and Philip. I really could have used a spiritual satnav. There's been times this week when I felt lost, confused, and I really haven't known which direction to go in. Since I first heard about Jill on Monday evening, there was the initial prayer of hope that she'd recover as quickly as she did last time. It would just be a blip, and we'd have Jill back with us. And then Tuesday morning, there was the sense of shock, disbelief. It had actually sunk in. And actually, at that point, any recovery seemed, frankly, impossible. 
as the day wore on Tuesday, we got a small glimmer of hope. And then later in the week, the need for patience. Patience isn't something I'm blessed with. Any of my family will tell you that. I get that trait from my mother. She's neither patient either. She's not. It's not slander because it's true. But patience isn't something we're blessed with in our house. For me, I've had a constant knot in my stomach since Monday evening. It felt so unreal because at five o'clock on Monday, I'd been at Oliver's parents' evening and we'd been talking with Andy who teaches in music. So then when you get a message less than an hour later, you can't believe that you're actually reading the same thing. Someone's got it wrong somewhere, this can't be right. But sadly, it was true. As I say, I can't speak for any of you, but I know I've lived by my phone this week. I've constantly checked for updates, looking to see any news. We've had an overwhelming, or I've had an overwhelming mix of emotions. I felt sad. I felt grief-stricken at times. I felt some hope. I felt confused. I felt angry, if I'm honest. Why Jill? Hasn't she been through this once? Why not? You know, why her? But not only do you feel those emotions one at a time, sometimes you feel several of them all in one go. It's just been relentless. So I guess what am I trying to get from my spiritual sat-nav now? Various song words have come to me in this week. But something I've kept coming back to is that God is good. He has a perfect will. I really believe that with all my heart. God is perfect. He has a perfect will for each one of us. The Gospels, my Bible's there, but the Gospels are packed full of messages of hope, of Jesus loving people, of Jesus helping people. They're full of them. And however lost, however confused we felt, if you look to the Gospels, there's Gospels of hope. At times, well, all the time, I felt a desperate need to, need to pray. But I've actually often found it very hard to pray. What words do you use when it's like this? But, you know, it doesn't actually matter because God knows what's in there anyway. So even if I use words that are wrong, he knows what's really inside me. At the hardest of times when I felt pure grief and pure unfairness of all, I've just handed it all to God because I don't know what to say. But the one thing I do know is that God will hold it all in his hands and we will sing that soon, that God holds it in his hands. I know that God is holding Jill and Rob, Andy, Richard, Jill's mum, Jill's sisters. I know he's holding them all really close at the moment. None of us know which room God is preparing for Jill at the moment. But I do know the room that she's in at the moment is full of his love, his care, his trust, his forgiveness and his compassion for Jill. And I'm pretty sure it'll be a bit pink and sparkly too. I do know that God is good and his will is perfect. Amen.